Love Talk Radio. I'm your host, Zanman Shane Sabunia, here with my buddy, the Honorable Jeff. Hello. And what's going on, Jeff? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> you don't want to know. Probably not. We probably don't have time to listen to it anyway. We don't have time. We don't know. Anyway. So so we're, we're both in a bit of mourning this week. Um, as, as I so cleverly labeled the... Um, Whatever, they, whatever we call it, the show description, uh, we're mourning the death of one of our favorite characters in pro wrestling uh, this week, and that is Tommaso Ciampa. Let's not say death. Let's say death of a character, death of a storyline, death of the greatest fucking feud in the history of wrestling. Yeah, I said character. Oh, all right. Carry on, then. Yeah, so... You know, for for uh, basically three years now, two and a half years, three years, something like that, the heart and soul of NXT have been the two guys, formerly known as DIY, now known as DIY again, the uh, the on again, off again friends, who turn into bitter rivals in two of the greatest matches we've, we've ever seen, um, and and what some have called the greatest WWE match of all time. Um, I take over New Orleans last year, We're talking about, of course, about Johnny Gargano and T- Tommaso Ciampa. Um, their storyline was set to, con- to conclude at TakeOver New York, whatever the hell they're calling it this time around, um, at WrestleMania weekend. And unfortunately, Tommaso Ciampa has been working for a while with an injured neck. Turns out he now has, he has been diagnosed with spinal stenosis, which is the same... Um, condition that shortened the careers of Hall of Famers Stone Cold Steve Austin and Edge, and uh, and now he's he suffered with that. So um, while while it's true that you know it's it's his death as a character in NXT that is really happening here, and and we have no faith whatsoever, despite reports that they have plans for Champa's return already, that uh, he's actually that he that he's going to be the same character because. Uh, when, you, when you look at, at history, I mean, history past is prologue, and when you look at the history of guys that have transitioned from NXT to WWE, there is not a good track record whatsoever. Um, and and when you also think about the fact that the way that he wrestles, he's going to have to severely tame down once he has that surgery on his neck, because you can't just keep going willy-nilly like that, and... Uh, I mean, I mean, 
when you look back, you know that suplex that suplex off the off the table onto the concrete floor a little a little bit under a year ago probably wasn't a good idea. Um, no, probably you know, not. You know, I mean, I mean, he had a catastrophic injury to his knee, and now he's got a catastrophic injury to his neck. And uh, like you said, one of the best feuds we've ever seen, maybe the the best feud we've ever seen, all things considered, um, is going to go unfinished. And if it is finished, it'll be in a much le- on a much lesser stage on the main on the main stage of WWE rather than where it's going to be tight where it's been so expertly and tightly written for the last two and a half years on NXT where there where there actually was attention to detail and fans are treated like they know what the what the fuck they've been watching for two and a half years and where the talent gets a chance to actually shine without having to do stupid comedy routines. Um, I really wanted to I really wanted to uh, re- to get some stuff like I did last year last week with Austin Aries. Um, download uploaded so we could play some some of Tommaso Ciampa's great work promo wise over the last year or so and I just kind of ran out of time to do that um, trying to get all the wrestling watched I really just didn't have time yesterday to put it all together but um, he's been he's been he was my breakout star of 2018 and I, and I don't think that anybody can really even question that and he was one of our top five wrestlers of 2018 as well. I think he was in both in both of our top three, um, and it just sucks to lose this guy again. Well, I mean, the only feud that you could probably even put up close to it is Hart versus Austin. Oh, uh, as well, far Hart versus Hart too. Yeah, but that was that was a whole different dynamic because that was not. I mean, Hart versus Austin was so good because it was two people that just legitimately hated each other. It wasn't people that got along so good. It wasn't people that were buddies and friends. They just hated each other. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, hated each other. That was probably the best feud of that type. I mean, going back even to Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes. And then you had um, – this well, was can I, can I, can a different – I'm just, I know you let me ramble, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I would I would no, say that I would say that if Mick Foley had not returned at WrestleMania 2000, that that we we probably remember Triple H versus Mick Foley the same way. Yeah, that's a good point because those two are another two that never got along. This is a different dynamic, though. This is um, two guys that were best friends. I mean, the. Uh, Champa was in Gargano's wedding as a best man. They were they traveled the road together. They came up together and so on, you know. And they had that split kind of like the Sami Zayn um, Kevin Owens split, or like you said, the heart and heart split. Well, you know what? It's it's even more visceral to us as fans. Um, what well, I shouldn't say to us because you you and I followed followed El Generico and Kevin Steen as well. But 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 for the fans that that only start that only watch the WWE products, um, it's it's actually more visceral that what's going on with Champa and Gargano because they never because they were told about the Zayn and Owens being friends for so long but they never actually saw it on screen. Where we actually saw it. Where where, where we saw actually the formation of DIY. We saw their friendship come together, and now we now we've seen it ripped apart. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a sad thing, too, where when you look at it, when was the last time we ever saw anything like that? For fans of WWE, for not people that have loved the characters or whatever throughout their growing process. Right. I mean, this this is a one of a time, one of a, 
And that's probably what made the feud as good as it was. I mean, you and I got into it because of just the wrestling aspect and the fact that they put on five-star classics every time out. But for the regular fan looking at it, the only one that I could maybe see even close to that is Suzuki versus, uh, oh, my God, who was the guy that he just wrestled in the tag match night one of the New Japan Cup? I have no idea. I didn't watch. I didn't watch any of the tag matches. There was a there was a Suzuki when he first uh, formed Suzuki Goon. It was actually somebody else's leadership. Oh, Taguchi. And yeah, and they were like ridiculously great friends and broken apart, and have had a bitter rivalry ever since. That's the kind of thing that you got only by watching New Japan growing up with these guys and seeing the feud exist, and you know from its very core beginnings. And you kind of get you got that with uh, Champa and Gargano, and I mean, you want to talk about the death of a character? It it goes beyond this this um, neck injury that Champa has. It, it's the fact that once once McMahon made the call to say, "Hey, you guys, come up to the main roster," and he took the four best guys on in arguably because Adam Cole is up there too. Um, but he took the four best remaining guys uh, in Alistair. Well, yeah, but okay, four of the six. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, well, I mean, what, what about Kyle O'Reilly? He took he took Ricochet. He took, and I'm ignoring <laughs> you at this point. He took Ricochet. You and I both love Kyle O'Reilly, dude. Oh, I know, but we do. But seriously, would you put him in the same level? As he fucking Alistair ha- Black, yes, I would. He hasn't had his breakout performance yet. He hasn't had his singles run yet. But he's not Once he has, either. Well, yeah. But, I mean, they took Alistair Black, they took Ricochet, they took Ciampa and Gargano, and they threw him up on the main roster, and they basically said, you know what, to hell with anything you guys saw in NXT, we're going to throw DIY back together. And they made these two act like they liked each other. When even with Gargano's heel turn and the constant uh, um, Puppet Master storyline that was going on and all the other stuff that was going on, they never acted like these two liked each other. But you're, as you're, de- you're getting in that same rant I tried to stop you from getting, from getting in two, two, two weeks ago. Right, and see, now how <laughs> relevant was that? You act like I don't know what I'm doing. See, this act was like, relevant back then. Act like. All right. I'll let that go. Go ahead. This was relevant back then. I mean, they they completely took one of the greatest storylines in WWE history and ruined it for ratings. Ruined it to pump up Raw for all the people that just watch Raw and don't watch NXT. You know, and I mean that, besides the fact that Ciampa's been working with his injury for now, what, a month? Month and a half, they said? Even before his call-up, and WWE decides, hey, you know what? We know he's got this injury that's going to require surgery, and the sooner we get it done, the better for him. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to run him out on all three fucking brands for three weeks with this injury. To me, that is just an embarrassment. Sorry, I got nothing after that. Okay, I was, I was, I was letting. You, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it really is a bad move, especially when you think about the fact that 
Why was Arn Anderson fired? Oh, because he let um, Alicia Fox wrestle injured. Right, but and and yet and yet it's perfectly fine to let the best talent, you know, one of your top stars, an up and coming guy who had a breakout year last year. Um, you know, you and I saw Tommaso Ciampa in Ring of Honor. Did did either right. of us think he was anything? Not like this. No, he was he was a generic. You know, he was a he was just a guy. He was just a guy, and for his improvement over the last three years, one of which he didn't even fucking wrestle. Um, for him to come back the way that he has and make himself the star that he has, um, and then you're going to let him go out there and wrestle, not only injured, but with a bro- with a, with a broken vertebrae in his neck um, and with spinal stenosis, which, which is deadly for pro wrestlers. Um, and you're going to let him go out there and, and wrestle with, with that injury? Um, I don't get it whatsoever. When, when were... Th- I, I kind of had an idea, though, so I'm, I'm wondering, when do you know how far out these indie bookings are that they canceled for him? It was a good year and a half. No, and the, no the, the indie bookings that they just canceled, those are, those are a year and a half out? Yeah, yeah. He had he had a couple, when he first signed up, They were he had like two and a half years of indie bookings that were canceled, and that was, what, a year ago he signed exclusive? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's about a year and a half left on those. All right, so so hear me out here. Um, it's not it's not something you and I are going to want to see happen because we, because we have we have other plans for this guy. But remember in 2011 what we said. Well, wait, did we do we even know each other in 2011? I'm trying to, to, to think it back. No, because right. I didn't start until t- the end of 2011. So it was I think I met you in 2013. Okay, but what we, what we talked about, I think we talked about it since, that in 2011, what they should have done with CM Punk is is not re-sign him right away. It's not have him announce his signing right away. Have him go to, have him go to indie, have him go to indie shows and wrestle for, and, and defend the championship at those shows, and then eventually make his way back to wrestle whoever the WWE champion was at that time. Yeah, it was kind of like what AJ Styles did. It was kind of like what um, where AJ Styles, when he left TNA, he went out and wrestled as the TNA champion. Right. Until they stripped him and fined him and so on. Started bringing lawsuits against him, that kind of stuff. And uh, there was somebody else that did that too, wasn't there, recently? I'm, I don't remember. But, I, but, I, but yeah, I, I know AJ Styles, and I know that's what we wanted from CM Punk. So what I'm, so what I'm thinking is they should they – should, sell this story to Dean Ambrose. They should be like, they should be like Ambrose. We got this incredible story we could do with you. You know, you, you know, you, you're, you want some time away from us. You know, you, you've already said you're not going to resign, but what if you go to these indie places, take Tommaso Ciampa's spot, you know, they're, he's going to, they're going to need a substitute. You know, we let you go there. We have you betray your friend again and take the championship. And you're going all these places, defending our championship. And then, we, and then you finally come back and it'll be a big deal. But how is he going to do that with – see, right now you've got the NXT championship that's in limbo. Yeah. You, you can't take that how, – how in, what, three weeks, four weeks? How are they going to write that storyline to explain why Dean Ambrose gets that money in the bank type shot? Well, I'm, what if Seth Rollins wins the championship at WrestleMania and, and Ambrose is like the next night is like – Dude, we're friends. We're buddies. I deserve. Let me have I, a I, shot. I, I deserve one one last shot on my way out the door. Uh, who is it? I just I was just watching something. 
Oh, uh, the Marty Skrull, uh, Nick Aldis feud from NWA. Mm-hmm. It would, could, could mirror that type of, you know, we're friends, so give me the shot type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, as much as I want Dean Ambrose, you know, I want Johnny Moxley in AEW, I think that would be an amazing story for, you know, for WWE to tell. Cause they could do it on a worldwide scale that TNA just couldn't. It, well, at, I mean, at this point, I I don't care if it's AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, WWE, TNA. I, I don't care. I just want to see good stories happening however they happen. And right now, we don't know what's going to happen with AEW. I mean, we have our hopes up. We really do. Watching uh, Nightmare Family on YouTube, watching Being the Elite, we have our hopes up. We hear what they want to do, but are they going to be able to deliver that? They did on one pay-per-view. Are they going to be able to be what WWE and what WCW weren't? I, I think they will be, but you're right. We have we have no clear evidence of you know what's going to happen with them yet. I think the reason why my um, uh, confidence maybe is wavering a little bit is I'm watching Defiant Wrestling weekly, and I'm seeing the corny stuff they do on there. Now, granted, they have a lot of lot better in ring performances because they don't have two minute matches. They don't have top stars burying the young kids. They you know they have surprise and wins stuff like that. But they don't. What they do is they still have those corny backstage segments, and I'm starting to think is the reason why we fell in love with NJPW so much because they didn't have that those corny backstage segments. And do they on their normal programming, and we just don't get it because we're the English audience? Um, the answer to your first one is no. Okay, I fell I, I fell in love with their in, with their in ring product. Right. Um, the answer to the second one is I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm I'm actually glad you said that because I w- when I was watching the New Japan New Japan Cup, mm-hmm. I was actually thinking to myself, Jesus, you know, we've been so wrapped up in all these other promotions over the last few months that I, honest to God, forgot how good in ring talent was in NJPW. How much they actually put into their in ring performance. And the other thing is. Um, within JPW, that that they have to me by at least a hundred miles over WWE is their English announced team actually talks about what's happening in the ring, tells what the story is of the guys coming in, and makes it feel like a big deal every time out. Rather, and Don Callis ra- has than, this rather than focusing on the story of other wrestlers while two guys are, are wrestling and, and not even calling the, what's actually happening in the ring. No, I'll give it to you. Kevin Kelly is one of the best, by far one of the best. And Don Callis brings, and and even my watching Impact, as much as I dislike Josh Matthews, what Don Callis brings to that uh, broadcast booth is something that is I, I don't know that there's anybody else on the planet that can even compare to it. He has such a unique ability to throw a disc to WWE, WCW, ECW, and TNA and make it sound like it's just normal banter and move on to, with something else. Like he made a comment during this last, uh, I can't, it was the first night main event. 
Who was that? Um, the first night main event was Ishii against uh, Nagata. Okay, and he made a comment about uh, how there was a sign in the crowd saying, Kevin Kelly, go back to Stanford. Why not? They're hiring everybody else from the 90s. <laughs> and then just rolled with it like, it like he didn't even say it. And he has this unique ability to do stuff like that that I, I don't know of anybody else that could pull that off. Well, the other thing with I have two things I have two things to say about what you just said. So, so don't don't uh, let me forget to say the second one. Um, but but uh, like the first one I, I can't remember my name. What are you talking about? Uh, the first thing I want to say is that it's become very um, it's become very routine to use the terms maximize your minutes in professional wrestling circles. You know, for for guys to go out there and you know they get 11 minutes. You know, they just just use the time you have to show what you've got. What Don Callis does is maximizes his words. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's so great at not over saying what he's trying to say. I mean, I mean, there, there's times where you're watching a match and Kevin Kelly's calling it by himself for I swear at least five minutes where where Callis doesn't say anything. But when Callis does step in and say something, it's important. Um, yep. It's fleshed out well, and he gets in and he gets out, and and you know that's 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 such a talent for him to have. You know who he reminds me of, and this is the ultimate ultimate compliment, because I don't think there's ever been a better color guy than Bobby the Brain Heenan. But that's who Kevin Kelly or who Don Callis reminds me of. He's got those quick one-liners. He he's consistent with who he roots for and who he roots against, and he always, like you said, he's got the. He'll sit there quiet for a couple minutes and just throw in that one one-liner that steals the show. And it's not even just one-liners. I mean, he's he's got some some really good in-depth analysis at times too. And a um, lot of that's because he's he's been in the business for what thirty some years. Yeah. So I mean, he's got the base for it. And uh, and the the other great thing with Callus is, like you said, he, he he roots for who we he he always he's consistent about where, who he roots for. But he and, and and because he likes their tactics so much, he roots for Suzuki Goon, and yet he's scared to death of Suzuki when when he's cheering for him. Which is which is <laughs> that is the perfect Bobby the Brain Heenan type attitude, where he did the same thing with the NWO, but he hated Hulk Hogan. And his Hulk Hogan hatred went back to his days in the WWF in the mid to early 90s. Or, I'm sorry, mid to early 80s. He hated Hulk Hogan. And as much as he got behind the NWO tactics, he always held that hatred for Hulk Hogan. And I feel that same thing with uh, with Callus whenever he's on the mic. Whether it's in New Japan or TNA. Well, or you know, impact, I'm actually, sorry. actually, it goes even deeper than that because what did because what did Heenan say when when Hogan joined the NWO? He said, "I told you so. I've been telling yep. you that all these years." Yep. And what did exactly. Callis say <laughs> when Gato turned on Okada? Yep, exactly. It was the same thing. It was it was exact. And I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up on that because I started to I started to hold back. I wanted to say that to you, but I was afraid you didn't catch that. But that's that's exactly it. Yeah. And it, that he, to me, he just has such a unique talent that there's only two other color guys I've ever seen with that kind of talent. 
and that's Ventura and that's Heenan. Well, and 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 we think I don't that, even think and, Lawler had that. Lawler was just more of a comedian than anything. No, but I was going to say that you. I think you and I thought Corey Graves was going to get to that point until he went to the main roster and kind of got uh, and got there. Yeah, I, he had that in uh, in uh, when he was back in NXT, but once he went to the main roster, he just completely lost it. Oh, actually, you know who did? You know who did have it before he became a caricature, caricature of himself? Actually, two guys, Taz and uh, JBL, both did. You're right. They did because they were so good in the ri- they were so good at the in the ring knowledge, but at the same time, they were so good at the one liners, and they both became just jokes. Just jokes. Booker T was another one that had that we, potential. We fight on Friday nights. Yeah, right. <laughs> Booker T. Booker T was another one that had that potential, and he just he became so into himself that it was more about putting him over than it was the wrestlers. Right. Where I never got that feeling about Bobby Heenan or about uh, um, Jesse Ventura. And these were guys that were up against the people they were commenting on. They never put themselves ahead of the wrestlers. I get the same thing with Don Callis. Don Callis does what he does to put over the wrestlers. And what he does with uh, um, uh, uh, Cesaro Manuki or Manuki, uh, Suzuki. Suzuki, yeah. What he does with Suzuki is put Suzuki over as some dangerous psychopath. And every well, time... Well, he is, yeah, but Callus is committed to that, and you definitely notice it. It's, it's a huge difference when Rocky Romero's in the booth or that rich guy. Is it Rich? What's his name? The translator guy. I have no idea. <clears throat> Whenever those guys are uh, are doing the color as opposed to Don Callis, you notice the difference whenever Suzuki's out there. Oh, are you talking, are you talking about Chris Charlton? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I, I'm getting mixed up with Rich Bonacotti from MLW. Uh, the other, the other thing I wanted to say about what you, about what you said, you mentioned about how uh, WWE is taking everybody from the '90s, but but they're not just taking, taking everybody from the '90s. They're they're trying to sign pretty much all the talented guys in the world. Um, right. Did you hear what did, did you hear what what they said last week on all, on all about All Elite? No, I didn't. Because you're gonna hate this, but but, it, oh. but, it, but it's so true. <laughs> they said that. Nick Aldis has the incredible ability to not get signed by WWE when they're trying to sign everybody else in the world. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. But isn't, uh, just on a side note, isn't uh, Nick Aldis under contract with NWA for like five years or something like that? Well, if he is, he's, a little, he's the only one that's under contract with them, so... Probably him, Jazz, and Willie Mack. Yeah, but Willie Mack wrestles all over the place still. Didn't Willie Mack just sign with TNA or Impact? Jesus Christ, am I ever going to get that right? Well, he's still wrestling for Ring of Honor too, so I don't know if he's actually signed with them or not. <clears throat> well, he's their national champion. He's he's NWA's national champion, not Impact's. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Um. The other, the other the other death this week, of course, um, and this happened like the day after we uh, we our last show, and, and we was I just want to say rest in peace to King Kong Bundy, um, and, and he, you know, he's, he's he's responsible for a couple of my 
of my formative years watching WrestleMania, you know, the the great cage match he had against Hulk Hogan, um, still one of the greatest cage matches of all time, in my opinion. And, <laughs> the and, only good cage match of all time. And, uh, well, in WWE, at least. Um, actually, you know, his one, the one against Hogan against Bossman was pretty good, too. Um, <sighs> but, uh, but then, but also, you know, I just loved, uh, because, because of one of my phobias, you know, me, you know, uh, you know, Jeff hates, Jeff hates, uh, Chihuahuas and clowns, yeah. but I can't stand, uh. but I can't stand midgets. So, uh, so for uh, King Kong Buddy to splash that midget in the middle of the ring while, uh, you know, I was laughing. Was that right, WrestleMania I was, I was, three? It was WrestleMania three. I was laughing right along with Jesse Ventura okay. while Gorilla Monsoon's like, "Oh my God, is he okay?" I just remember Gorilla Monsoon laughing hysterically. No, that was or Jesse, not Gorilla that, Monsoon, Jesse, Jesse Ventura laughing yeah. hysterically during that whole segment. Right. Just that, I mean, that's the classic. When you look at the great color commentators of all time, Jesse Ventura is up there because of moments like that. Bobby Heenan is up there because of his one-liners and the fact that he was always consistent, no matter who he rooted for. doesn't matter if Hogan was face or heel. He hated Hogan. He was always a Ric Flair guy, no matter how, if Ric Flair was heel or face, he was always that Ric Flair guy. Um, you get the same thing with Don Callis. We got the same thing with Corey Graves until he went to the main roster, and we're starting to get the same thing with Nigel McGuinness. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Nigel, Nigel's work. You can tell how much he, how much work he puts into being a, a great color commentator. Well, and he I, does I, it. I, 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 just, he does I, it. I, I just hope he stays on the NXT level and doesn't get ruined by WWE. Oh, no shit. I, I'm so sick of wrestlers going up and getting ruined. And, 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 and you and I were you and I were talking about this earlier this week. Tyler Breeze, perfect example. I remember telling saying you, to you in 2014 that he's a Shawn Michaels, he's the next Shawn Michaels, and he comes up to the main roster, becomes a comedy character, nothing more. Ricochet has this open challenge. Tyler Breeze answers it, comes back. He's the old Tyler Breeze again. They put on a hell of a match, and then he goes back to being a comedy character on NXT on WWE television. It makes no sense to me how they can screw up talent that badly. You, you sorry, said, you, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. You said Tyler Breeze, and my and my ears turned off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when Tyler Breeze was great. Again, ears turned off. Did they really? What's that? Seriously. <laughs> Carry on, Shane. All right, so let's, let's get into let's get into a bit, little bit of this, of this NWA stuff. Or, um, NG, no, let's not. NJPW no, no. stuff. Why not? We caught up in it because there's MLW, there's TNA, there's all kinds of stuff that we haven't watched yet that we need to talk about. So you know you don't. Well, yeah, but if we haven't watched it, are we going to talk about it? <laughs> and are you caught up on MLW yet? Yeah, I'm sure not. Have you gotten to War Games at least? I watched War Games. Okay, you did. What were your thoughts? I thought it was... Now that we finally got there. I thought it was fucking awesome until the end. <laughs> I, I, to, to me, you know, the, the, you know, first of all, I, when I, I should probably tell you that when uh, Tony Schiavone said, Shane Strickland's laying there, he's got to have at least two broken ribs, I said, good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, <laughs> I did the same thing. But, but, I, but I the, cheered. But, with... but for that team of four to beat, to beat the team of five, I just thought it was ridiculous. I cheered 
more than you can imagine when Shane Strickland got his ass kicked by Sammy Callahan. Like, it was embarrassing how much I cheered. And then he came in to get the number advantage. I don't know yet, and I'm I'm going to have to watch the two back-to-back, but I don't know if I like that War Games better than I like the NXT one, this latest one with Pete Dunne and everyone in it. The ending was brutal. The fact that they wrapped um, chocolate, whatever his Carmel, whoever he is, in barbed wire and let him roll over somebody to get the win, to me that was embarrassing. Was who is that? Barrington Hughes. That's who it is. The car- that the, was a the caramel colossus. Oh my God! What is his purpose? I'm sorry. I know you said you want to like the guy, but I have not liked him from day one. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, like I said, I want to like him. I still don't like him. <laughs> there's nothing about him to like. No, he just comes. Not. He has like he has two moves, and then when he actually gets in a, a main event type thing, all he does is wrap himself in barbed wire and roll over people. Yeah, that was that was disgusting. It was it, and then like you said, to lose four when you're down four to five, and then. The ending when they blamed it all on Jimmy Havoc, which started an incredible feud, but at the at the time was ridiculous. Well, see, my, see, my problem with the, with the war games from uh, NXT the, the this year's or you know 2018's version was I felt like they went super long just to go super long. Yep. And and, I thought... so, and, and so and so that that match just kind of lost me like I don't know like 40 minutes in and then when like another 25 minutes after that so. I mean, it was just, there were it there was were a couple moments in there though, um, with all four of them standing, just punching each other in the in between the two rings. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a moment that kind of stood out. There were a few other moments that really stood out, um, with uh, Pete Dunne wrestling to get out of the cage or to get out of his isolation cage, whatever he was in. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought that stood out. Um, there were things with Undisputed Era that they did that stood out. I, I thought there was a lot with that, where when I put the two side by side, I'm kind of leaning towards the NXT version of War Games this time around, to being the better one. I, I see what you're saying. I, I mean, but see, the thing is, I, I I can't like just isolate moments like that and think, because I mean, I mean, I I agree with you. Like, if, like if the match had been. 15 minutes shorter if they haven't been so overindulgent indulgent with the time you know if they had told the story okay that and, i agree and, with and, and, and then it would have ended then i probably then i then i could definitely see where you are and, and it might it might even be my favorite war games match of all time if that had happened but it didn't and they just get they just get went on and on and on and so it just lost me to the point where i i can't say that um it's still probably better than the first wwe war games match or first nxt war games match but, well, and when, when but, you look at War Games past, they were done like ten minutes after the final guy was in. This one, the NXT one, went a half hour after that after Pete Dunne got in. And the other thing, and the other thing is that I cannot stomach a War Games having a pinfall or a pinfall in it. So it's got to be a submission. It's got to be a submission, and and the two War Games we've seen so far in in NXT have been pinfalls. Well, for next week, I say we go back and we watch the first war games that MLW did with the Extreme Horsemen. Oh, yeah, we could do that. 
It's on YouTube. Uh, I think both of us should watch it before the next show. Agreed. Just to give our thoughts. And then and then at that point, I'm more than okay with jumping ahead to uh, 2019 for all these. So we can get all these caught up, watched, up to date. And uh, so when our year-end reviews come in, we can honestly say this guy, this guy, this guy. You know, I, I was going to talk to you about something off the air, but I don't even have time to talk to you off the air anymore. So I'm, I'm going to... Here's here's what I was thinking, and and you tell me how you feel about this. Um, I am not one of the. I, I am a very pedantic person, as you know, Jeff. Um, you know, everything's got everything's yeah. to be exact with me to the detail. Um, and so, I was listening to the right side of the pond, and they were talking about how the end of the how the end of the decade is almost come is coming up this year. And and no, it it actually isn't. Um, if you count from one through ten, it actually ends next year. Um, and you know, you don't start counting at zero. So, so I when, do. Well, yeah, but but people don't. Um, oh, start, okay, start, my start, bad. Count, start counting at zero. <laughs> so I was thinking that we should figure out, like maybe, um, like maybe like January, so like starting Jan, the first week of twenty twenty twenty, assuming that we're still the show going. Um, <laughs> that's up to you, bro. I I know. I'm just saying. Um. That we should, what we should do is we should, um, you and I are, and it's gonna, we're gonna start doing it this, you know, probably in the next couple of months if we're going to do it. But we should start putting together what we think are the best 52 matches of of the last decade, you know, of, of 2010 Oof. through 2000, 2011 through 2020. Dude, and we can count them down starting in the first week of next year. If we're gonna do that properly, though. Because if you think about it, you and I, well, I don't know when you did, but I didn't start watching NJPW till 2014. Right. I didn't start uh, Ring of Honor till 2014. Things like MLW, I didn't start until this this year. Uh, Defiant, I didn't start until this year. So are we going to go back and watch the shows from Rev Pro from... Uh, NJPW from 2010 and on, or are we just going to go off the knowledge we already have? I think we're going to go, have to go off the knowledge that we already have. I, and, and, good, because I don't and, have the time to go back and watch them all. And and as an as an adjunctive to that, I, I was also thinking that when we when we do our um our year in our year in awards from now on, we shouldn't just focus on stuff that stuff that happened in the year that we're watching them. Or the, or the year that we're talking about, and, and the, my my the, my reason for that is that one of the best columns I've ever read, or not I've ever read, but that I've got some good some good books from is uh, Stephen King writes it every year for Entertainment Weekly, and it's it's the best books that he's read this year. Well, you know, I mean, you and I now now that we've seen Bound for Glory, you know, we've seen Bound for Glory stuff that was happened last year. You know, we're we'll probably go back and watch some NW, NJPW stuff and Ring of Honor. So I think it should be the best stuff that we've seen. In the year that we're that we're doing the awards, not necessarily the best that actually happened in that calendar year. I, you know, I'm okay with that, but I think that should be like a, a separate category almost. Like we should focus be, because we are what we are, and we're we're now. I mean, we talk about wrestling now. We don't talk about it six months ago, a year ago. We talk about it now. Every show we do, we try to be as mo- as current as humanly possible. So I think if we're going to do something like that, we should do like we did last year with the award show, but then maybe have 
a dedicated section of, hey, best match I saw this year was Austin versus Hart from WrestleMania uh, 13. You know, best performance well, I well, saw, I, and I, so I, on. Well, I, yeah, I mean... That, that's a, that's a good example. Other, although I would I would just want to like to point out that I think it should be that, that we had first seen for that year, not not that we were had gone back and watched it again. <laughs> well, I mean, regard, regardless, yeah. but I, I just think it should be a separate category all in itself, because I don't want to take away from what we have going on right now. I want to add to it. I think we've got such a unbelievable opportunity right now and i hate that fucking word opportunity by the way but opportunity right now to showcase what is happening now and going forward and we should stick to that format but if we want to throw in uh you know i watched this ecw match from 1998 where rob van dam beat the shit out of jerry lynn Mm -hmm. i love that match it's one of my favorites of all time yeah, we should throw that in. So maybe we should make like a separate category of that, and then we can go back. Because I really do want to go back and watch the um, Clash of Champions shows and the some of the old, old uh, WCW shows yeah. and things like that. I want to go back and watch those and bring those to the forefront and say, hey, you know, we thought this was great, but remember Mysterio versus uh, Malenko from 1996 in ECW? Yeah, I mean, you, know, you yeah, see where I'm you see where I'm going with that. I, I do, um, and and I know we and I know we don't really have a lot of time to talk about other things this week, but but I I mentioned it to you in a text yesterday, and so I just kind of want to get your thoughts on um, on a match coming up at the at the beginning of next month um, for Impact, and that is Tessa Blanchard taking on Eli Drake. You know, the, you know the, our our you know personal you know favorite favorite woman wrestler in the world against the against like arguably a, my favorite regular wrestler, right, a right, male right, wrestler, right, right, all around male wrestler, yeah. You know, it, I like it and I don't. I I like it because I I, I look at the opportunity that um, Tessa Blanchard has here, mm-hmm. but I hate it because it seems like more and more. They're just burying Eli Drake. I mean, I kind of get where they're going with the Eli Drake character is he's a rock impersonate. He has the same character. He has the same cadence. He has the same one-liners. He has the same um, ring entry, the music, same music. Just with a little different beat, but if you listen to it, it's the same music as The Rock. He is the perfect rock impersonator. The problem is, is what I see in that perfect rock impersonator is an amazing wrestler and a guy who can carry the mic on his own without impersonating anybody. And I don't want to see Eli Drake buried because of it. And I just, it's always been that kind of detriment whenever you get i mean it was china against jeff jarrett it was china against chris jericho beth phoenix against the people she wrestled uh whoever you name it whoever against whoever but you get that stigma once you get in the ring with a woman and tessa blanchard for all she is worth is not on the level of eli drake in the ring but we're gonna put her over 
because she's the woman. Oh, so you think, she, you think just because she's a woman, she's going to win? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I truly do. Because we've seen it time and time again. You know, on the, on the other hand, I mean, it, this, could ju- this could just simply be um, impact moving into the area that we've seen for years now in Lucha oh, Underground. Lucha Underground? Yeah, in Lucha Underground, where, where it's just, where they don't separate it out, where, where you know, it's, it's intergendered all the time. And if that's the case, great. And I hope they go that way. I just don't want to see it be what WWE did in the 90s. Yeah. Well, mid-2000, in the 2000s and stuff, where it was, oh, you've got this monster of a woman. Because let's face it, Tessa Blanchard is stunning. She is not the kind of woman that China was. No. So to put her in that same kind of bearing which is what I feel like they're going with this match it is it's difficult for me to 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 deal with honestly it it, it truly is and I it, it maybe it's because I like both of the both of the people I love Alessa, Tessa oh my god I can't talk tonight dude Tessa Blanchard Tessa Blanchard and I love Eli Drake I think Eli Drake, if he dumps that rock character, could become one of the all-time greats. But I just the way that I look at it right now, that's it's just too much like the China thing. What that you'd rather you'd rather be an Eli Drake? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see a night in China? Come on. I did. I did not actually know. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed you, to? No, you're luck. One of the lucky ones. One of the ones of us that didn't have Pornhub at that time. Well, just because you have Pornhub does not mean you have to watch it, dude. Yeah, you do. You don't understand Pornhub. Oh. The first rule of Pornhub is you don't understand Pornhub. The Ooh, second wow. rule. The second rule of Pornhub is you do not understand Pornhub. Admit it, you're typing Pornhub in your directory right now, aren't you? Uh, how do you spell hub? <laughs> wow. Alright, are we going to move on or are we going to continue talking about... Wait, no. Something else happened. Well, you know, I, I, I can say that I never saw A Night in China, but I, but I cannot say that I did not uh, Google the uh, page leaks when that happened. Oh, who didn't? The Kimberly Page stuff? No, not Kimberly Page. Page. What? Page? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. But I remember back in, what, 97, when I heard that Kimberly Page did Playboy, Googling that stuff. Oh, well, yeah. At that, at that time, it was Yahooing, because Google wasn't that popular. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was remember. I was like really, really angry when uh, WWE stopped having their uh, divas in Playboy because because who was that chick that was uh, Michelle McCool's um, partner? Oh, the British chick. Yeah, the British chick, Leela. Yeah. Yeah, because because I, I I swear to God, dude, she was like she was like next up to be in Playboy, and she was so goddamn hot. Well, how many did they have though? I mean, you had China, 
obviously. Well, you had Sable, you had, you had Sable, China, you had Maria, Tori Wilson, Tori Wilson. Tori... Um... No, Lita was never in. I didn't say Lita. I said Maria. Oh, Maria, yeah. And uh, Christy Hemme was in. And then there was that t- tattooed, pierced. Ashley something. Yeah, yeah, Ashley Monaro, Ashley Monaro or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, and, and you know, the next, and, and then they stopped doing it, but I swear to God, Leela would have been the next up, and she would have been the hottest of all of them. Besides, besides, think... besides maybe Christy Hemme. But I or mean, or Tori Wilson. No, Tori Wilson isn't isn't hot. Back in the nineties, yeah. No. Oh, dude. She was a fake bleach blonde chick. Who cares? Whereas, whereas Leela had everything. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't mind an idiot either, but she's kind of a butterface. The one who I would have loved to have seen... What? Butterface? Lydia, yeah, Nydia is a butterface. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's hot butterface. Everything butterface. Um, another person, and if we're going to go to wrestling of the 2000s when that was popular, Velvet Sky. Oh, yeah, Bully Ray's girlfriend. That is one that I would have killed to see. You, you would kill, but you would kill Billy Bully Ray to see her. Well, then we wouldn't have had that stupid flip. Oh, speaking of which, do you uh, watch the latest BTE? Uh, today's episode. Yeah. No, I have not seen today's episode yet. All right. Well, you got to watch it, and then you got to let me know about the guest appearance in there of a returning character. Okay. I don't want to ruin it because mm-hmm. it's. For somebody that's got a lengthy contract ahead of them, it was kind of shocking. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really stupid. The uh, appearance he had last on last week's show. Yeah, but that was brief and not really noticeable. This one is legit. Oh, okay. like you know he's a part of this because they call him by name. He has a little segment. Oh, interesting. Like last week, it was last week. It caught me off guard because it was like that little blip of, "Hey, wait, was that flip?" Almost this that's, week. No, there's no question. No, no, no. That, that's not last. That's not who I was talking about for last week's show. I was talking about those those guys that are like just the producers that are just like the hands. Oh no, no, I'm not talking. Okay, damn it, I ruined it. <laughs> Actually, it's not. Flip make, Flip makes an appearance. He does a little segment with Joey Ryan. Oh, okay. Which it, it kind of confuses me a little bit because Marty Skrull has not been in one episode since that New Year's Eve one. But Flip's making an appearance and well, a lengthy appearance. Yeah, but I think they're trying. I think they're trying to sell the fact that that all Marty's friends are dead to him. Yeah, true. I think, I think they're trying to sell it for an upcoming storyline. Well, they need to finish that storyline so we can come to All Elite. And get some real wrestling. Well, I can't say that because Ring of Honor is real wrestling. It is, and and we also want him, and, we, and we also want him to win the NWA World Championship from Nick Aldis, or at least at least the important part of we does. And the pro- <laughs> the problem is is if he does, yeah, he is stuck. I want him to have that lengthy reign that Cody had, that we never got out of uh, out of Cody, the reign that we wanted Cody to have. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be fine with him having another six month six months, you know, and and not joining uh, all the way until the beginning of next year or something. I'd be I'd be yeah, fine I'd be with fair. that. They well, have, that's they because have, we watch they, him. They have plenty of they have plenty of talent. 
Um, you know, they got a, they have plenty of hot talent, and, and right now, as much as we enjoy him and as talented as he is and as hot as he is, if he if he were to join AEW right now with them adding the Lucha Bros and and uh, O um, OEW, he'd or, be he would be lost in the shuffle. OB, yeah, he'd be lost in the shuffle. Whereas, whereas if he if he comes in, you know, like eight months after they're starting, then you know he's then he's the big free agent signing that they have. Or even let's say three, four months after their TV deal debuts. Yeah. Debuts. Wow, that's a hard word to say. Debuts. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe you're letting me run with this debuts thing. <laughs> well, I, I try. I, I'm letting you say debuts so that I, so that I can let you defuse a little. So. Well, don't do it. Bad. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from, and that does make great and perfect sense because a guy of Marty Skrull's stature within the elite, and just when you look at the way Ring of Honor crowds respond to him and the way New Japan crowds respond to him, he is a guy who needs to come in with fanfare of his own. And right now, I I don't think he would in AEW. Exactly. He just... You're right. He would just be another one of the big signings. Yeah. So he'd just be kind of left in the shuffle behind, you know, behind Pac and behind Jericho, Jericho and the Lucha and Bros and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, which annoys me that Kenny Omega is considered a signing, considering what we heard about him being all in from the start. Yeah. And, and honestly, and honestly, I, you know, I think Audrey Kong would even overshadow him right now. To be honest, yeah, I, I think so. Sammy Guevara. Oh, and speaking of which, if you're not watching the Sammy Guevara channel, start. You can tell, Seriously, you can tell me watch start. all these things, dude. I mean, how, how much of a life do you think I don't have? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Let's talk about who wants to start watching things. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is that I, that I tell you to start watching it, then I stop watching it, and you're still... <laughs> right, you son of a bitch. <laughs> No, this, you're, you're like Sammy, a, you're like a little puppy that that ran off the leash and just keeps going even though his owner his owner went back home. <laughs> Sammy Guevara, by the way, and not take anything away from you and your laughter at the moment. <laughs> Sammy Guevara. Sammy well, I called, you, Guevara. I called you my puppy. And you didn't argue with us. So that's why I'm still. <laughs> I will come over there and punch you in the throat. <laughs> we're not that far away. We're on Skype, but we're not that far away. <laughs> I've tried to stop laughing. I really am. All right. Anyway, right, the Sammy Guevara channel. You and I fell in love with this guy at the NWA 70 because he had not only that charisma with his Mr. Money's Worth promo, but he had the just this overwhelming ability in the ring that was so far above everyone that he was in the match with. And keep in mind, he was in the match with Scorpio Sky. But he was so far above and beyond everyone else that you and I fell in love with the guy. And all we wanted was him to join All Elite. And he joins All Elite, and we're all ecstatic and everything. I've been going back. I went back to day one, his very first vlog. And I've been watching. I'm up to like 10 or 11 right now. And I've been skipping his matches. I've gone back and watched a few of his matches. He had a match against ACH, which was embarrassingly phenomenal he had matches against some other people that 
I you're going to watch these matches and you're going to have a completely different perspective, not only on him, but them too. And I'm, I'm following him and watching his show and the character that he, it's kind of like we did with the young bucks and being the elite and Cody and Kenny. And when they first started that, they were heels. There was no question. They were heels. We hated them. They, They were supposed to be hated, but we started watching being elite and we're like, Wow, these guys are real guys. These are guys who have feelings. They have homes. They have families. You get the same feeling out of Sammy Guevara. And it's such a unique, I don't want to say unique because it's really not because of BTE, but it's such a phenomenal introspective into this guy's life and seeing his struggle and what he's gone through to get to where he is and the appreciation that he has for it. There's things where he, in the beginning, was showing up as a rosebud on SmackDown. And he was so thankful to be there and to be a part of it that it's hard to not root for this guy. It really, truly is. No matter how big of an asshole he is, no matter how big of a heel he is on on TV, to see him in that setting where he is so grateful just to be in the presence of all these people. It's such a great feeling that it's hard to get behind or hard not to get behind this guy. Wow. It really is. It truly is. So, so, um, so unlike your boy, uh, Willie Mack, who kind of is and he's he's pandering to, to try to get people to appreciate him. Um, this guy is actually going through and being sincere and it, and it works better is what you're saying. Yeah, it, it really does because he's, I mean, he's in the gym and he's telling us about the reps he's doing and why he's doing this. He talks about being on SmackDown and how he didn't even make it onto the TV. He just sat back and ate the catering and everything. But, you know, and he's frustrated because he's a performer. But at the same time, He's not just a performer. He is a guy who is searching for his opportunity. So he's grateful for the fact that even though he didn't make it on TV, he got to be there with all the other athletes, all the other people that have made it and learn from them and, and move on from that, take that experience and move on to the next chapter in his life. And he'll go through, I mean, he goes through his stuff when he uh, gets his merch out. And there's a, you know a guy that does his editing i want to say it's like episode four or five it's a guy that does all the editing for his tv mat or for his matches that go up on youtube which by the way there's a lot and i've seen a lot and they're all phenomenal um and he goes into this and he's he's like this guy doesn't know i'm doing this he didn't buy this he doesn't know i'm doing this but i'm autographing this shirt for him and i'm gonna mail this shirt to him as a thank you for all the support you've done because I don't pay him to edit this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's this genuine appreciation for where he's at. That is not something that you get on normal TV from this guy. That's really awesome. I, I I'm going to be, I said it to you like three or four days ago that you need to start watching this. Cause I mean, even BTE, when BTE, BTE started up, 
I was not as impressed as I am with uh, what I'm seeing on the Semikvara vlog. Yeah, so I need to watch that, and I also need to watch the uh, the whatever the Heart Foundation one is called, right? Yeah, but that's only one or two minute segments. That's not bad. You'll watch all five episodes in like two minutes. Okay. But if if you're gonna actually pick up anything extra and watch anything extra, I'm gonna say the Sammy Guevara channel and go back to day one, his very first vlog. It's like ten or twelve videos in because he has a lot of matches, some of his first matches, which watch those too because those were a lot of fun. He had matches against people where I, I was watching going, why is this guy not on fucking WWE programming now? It, it's phenomenal the matches he puts on. The things he does in the ring, and he's only like 19 at the time. And then you see the progression, the way that he goes from when he first starts doing this vlog all the way up till now. And he started the vlog maybe, I want to say three years before the Young Bucks started being the elite. So we're going back to like 2014. Wow. It, it's it's some phenomenal stuff. And I'm telling you, it's worth watching. Okay. I will definitely give it a shot. And if you don't like it, that's because of Ryan. <laughs> Not because of me. <laughs> No, but I th I think you'll like it because you're kind of that inspir you're kind of that behind the scenes is inspirational type of guy that I am, and he really just the way that he acts and the way that he portrays himself and his humbleness and the way that he is hardworking and like you know what it's not what I wanted but this is what happened and just everything about him makes me want to cheer for the guy more. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so why don't we take a quick commercial break? No! And then we'll be right back to talk about... No, let's don't! The, um... You I'll know, kill you! Bad Jeff, is, Bad Jeff is coming out again, Jeff. I'll stab you in the heart with a plastic fork. Bad Jeff from last week is coming out. Oh, sorry, control, Bad. Control yourself. Control him. Okay. So, and then we'll, when we come back, we'll talk about the, uh... NJPW shows that happened over the last week or so. Sounds good to me. Okay, and we're back. Thanks, everybody, for, for sticking with us. And uh, we are going to talk about the NJ, NJPW anniversary show first from last Wednesday, at least the parts of it that we watched, because um, we, we, we didn't uh, watch a, a whole, you know, most of it. At least, at least, I, I, watched... at least I didn't. I watched a lot. I watched most of night one, a lot of night two, and a lot of night three, but not as much as I probably should have. Uh, well, I was talking. No, I was talking about the anniversary show, though. Oh yeah, that I watched the whole thing. Did you really? Yeah. You watched the ten man tags and everything. Yes, I did. Because wow. I forgot about I forgot about the new Japan Cup until yesterday. <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to be all ready this time. Oh, I thought I thought we had already agreed that we, we weren't going to watch the entire card of those shows. So, Yeah, I did. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> it was awful. I, I'm sorry. It, I like the 10-man tags that NJPW does because they really do um, push storylines. Right. 
but at the same time, I can get those storylines just by watching the clips leading up to it because NJPW does this amazing job that WWE doesn't. They WWE will show a five-minute clip of what's leading up to this, and you have no clue. NJPW will show everything that has happened in a five-minute clip. Yeah, I agree. They do a great job at that. So, uh, being that being that you did watch them, how how were the uh, the matches that I didn't watch? Eh, nothing noteworthy. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. Yeah, it really wasn't. But but you and I, you know, briefly talked about this on uh, Friday that we both really liked the junior heavyweight tag title match. There were three matches that I really liked on this, starting with the NW or IWGP heavyweight, or, oh my God, junior heavyweight title. The fact that my boys, Yo and Sho, came out on top. Right there says all we need to know. Um, yes, they did come out on top, and which means that, once again, uh, LIJ. LIJ loses a championship like right after they win it. And you know it's it's starting to feel like that they're kind of punishing the fans for liking Lij honestly. I yeah I'm kind of starting to think that too. Because right now you've got Lij and then everybody against Bullet Club. Right. And then Bullet Club, so you have three factions in Japan right now. But I mean with I, the fact. But I mean you know. You know, Naito, you know, everybody expected Naito to win, to win the... I know you said you didn't, but everybody, but pretty much everybody expected Naito to, to win the championship from Okada at last year's Wrestle Kingdom. He didn't. Um, mm. You know, he, he loses the Intercontinental title in his first defense against Jericho. Um, he finally wins it back at the same night that LIJ... Uh, you know, clean wants, sweeps. Yeah, yeah he wants, right, they, they clean sweep their title matches, and now... Naito's the only one still with the championship. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. Especially, well, especially, especially, especially the... for one of the most, you know, popular factions in New Japan. It's not no, exactly. Actually, they're the most popular faction in New Japan. Right now, you're looking at DX at its peak with Lij in New Japan. And by peak, you're not talking about Shawn Michaels' receding hairline. No, I'm ta- I'm talking about. Um, Early 90s, before Triple H turned on X-Pac. Right. You know, right at their peak, where nothing they did was wrong. You had the IC title, you had the tag titles, you had, in this instance, you had the junior tag titles. You had everybody clicking on all cylinders, nothing they did was wrong. For them to take the belts off, not only uh, Evil and Sonata like they did, but then to take them off uh, Shingo and, and Bushi, too, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of an embarrassment. It is. And, and, it, and it makes you wonder, you know, when are these guys really going to get their, their time to to shine in a promotion where they're, where they're basically the top merchandise sellers, the crowd is all over them. I mean, is this like a situation where, you know, they feel like they, could, they can job them if, you know, all they want to because they're always going to remain popular? Because, that, you know, that isn't always true. And it, and, no, it doesn't, and it doesn't always work. No, it doesn't. And I think, and I hate to say it, but when we got night three of 
the um, New Japan Cup, you kind of saw that turn where fans weren't buying into them as much as they were. I when when we're looking at the anniversary show, they came out there was nobody hotter. Even Evil and Sonata, even dropping the belts, God, didn't matter. They were still over. Right. But I thought night three of the New Japan Cup when you saw Bushi versus Naito, you started to see that little chink in the armor where it was like, okay, they're not a hundred percent behind Lij anymore. Well, you know, some of that. You know, it's probably also the fact that Ibushi was the one guy in the elite, or you know, that stayed. Elite that stayed, and he and not only stayed, but for the first time in almost a decade, he actually signed a contract. Exactly. You know, he signed a two-year exclusive contract with, with NJPW. When he's when he's been for the last like seven or eight years, he's he's just been a freelancer and going and kind of floating wherever he felt like going to. You know, I, I think I think, I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, I, I definitely think that. You know, if you keep cooling down the hottest guys, then eventually they're not going to be hot anymore. You, well, you, you, know, and you can't you can't just keep keep them simmering forever. You and I talked about that in Dominion when uh, Jericho won the belt from Naito, where it was like, okay, is this the time when they're gonna when the fans are gonna start to revolt and go, okay, yeah, I guess these guys aren't as great as we think they are. Right. You know, and and don't get me wrong, they're still my favorite faction. Probably, I would probably say three, maybe four of my favorite wrestlers in the promotion. I Naito, Evil, Sonata, by far Shingo is really rising up my charts as one of my favorites. So I, I thought Bushi was your favorite. <laughs> is Bushi anybody's favorite? <laughs> I mean, without Takahashi there, I mean, Takahashi was by far my favorite. But without him there, I mean, you start. I started to realize we talked about the pillars of, NJ, uh, of NJPW and how there were four, and it was Omega, it was Okada, it was Tanahashi, and it was Naito. Right. Well, now you've got Omega, or no, I'm sorry, Okada and Naito. You've got... Jay White, who has just catapulted to that position because of the loss of Omega. And it seems like they're grooming Ibushi to take over for Tanahashi. It does. When and, you, and, and, what, and I'm almost sure he's he's going to be the one that's facing Jay White at MS. Yeah, I am too. Especially after night three. Right. You can't beat a pillar and not go on to win it. To win the cup, you mean, right? Not necessarily win the championship. Right, exactly. Okay. But I definitely see Kodaibushi taking Tanahashi's spot. Jay White has already taken Omega's. And that goes without saying. He's just flat out jumped up and taken it. Mm-hmm. And it was something you and I saw coming a year ago. I mean, Granted, we thought he was going to take Tanahashi's spot at the time because there was no way Omega was leaving. Right. But he has jumped up and taken one of those pillars. And there right now is nobody in NJPW that is hotter than Jay White. Well, you know, you know, the other thing I was thinking about Ibushi, and, uh, and since we're talking about him, we might as well, I might as well bring this up here, too, is, is another, uh, you know, we have not seen Kenny Omega in Japan since, he, since uh, after Wrestle Kingdom. 
Um, and supposedly, his contract with Aoi Lead calls for him to be able to work New Japan when he wants to as well. Right. And so I'm wondering, is this, uh, you know, is is this stuff with with Ibushi going to blow up at Madison Square Garden, where where even though they don't usually do this kind of booking, where somehow it is. Um, it's Omega that costs Ibushi the championship, and then and that will set up a feud for later in the year between Ibushi and Omega. Well, hmm. keep in mind that one of the main reasons why Omega left was their refusal to work with AEW. Right. So when you factor that in, how much are they willing to actually work with Omega and put him in that kind of prime situation. Yeah, he's got the contract, but he was only at the top for a year and a half. When you think about that kind of time frame and professional wrestling, it's really not that big of a deal. I don't know, man. A year and a half is a long time in professional wrestling. It is and it's not, depending on what you do with it. I mean, granted, he went out and had a ridiculous amount of six-star matches or six Gargano matches. Nigel. But yeah, I'm going to say Gargano. I know you are. But, That's what you do every night when you're sleeping is what I've heard from Susan. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Gargano. 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 <laughs> You're an ass. <laughs> I really so, am. So I'm proud of I, it. I, I, back to what we're talking about. I just I, I don't know that we can really pull that trigger on Ibushi yet, but I can see that's where they're going. I can see them maybe bringing a. Um, Omega back for the fans of NJPW that have grown up with Golden Lovers, have grown up seeing um, Omega at the top, just to be that passing of the torch type thing. I just can't see them continuing anything after that or making it as big a deal as it should be. Well, you know, I, I think that um... – what happens later on in this year with NJPW is going to really um, weigh heavily in, into what they what they decide to do with their working relationships going forward. Because there's no doubt in the world that this G1 Supercard show was was mostly sold by the elite. You know, yep. you know, in the United States, people wanted to see Kenny Omega. They wanted to see the Young Bucks. Well, not only that, some, you can some, arguably someone, say... You know, someone wanted to see Cody. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You can arguably say that the G1 and uh, or uh, New Japan Cup and the New Beginning and the Anniversary Show were sold by them, too. Right. Because at, at the time, when all these tickets went on sale, it was Omega and the Bucks who were at the top of the food chain, and to some extent, Cody. Right. So, So it'll be interesting to see... Later on, later on down the line, the, the upcoming U.S. shows like the G1 in Dallas, and um, you know, because the, the, they're kicking off the G1 climax for the first time ever outside of Japan, in Dallas, Texas. 
um, and how other shows, you know, you know, do they st do they get the same kind of ticket sales as they were getting? Do they get the same kind of attention they were getting with the elite as big draws for those shows? I, I in the and, and, in the U.S. I can't see it. And if they don't, but, then I, then I think they're going. I think that they're going to have to backtrack and kind of uh, you know say you know AEW we were wrong and we we need to work with you. I mean, if you look at the fact if they stay true to in, to Japan. I can see Bullet Club being a draw, but Bullet Club as a faction is a draw, not Bullet Club as the individuals, not the elite, not the Bucks, not Omega, not Cody, not um, Adam Page. But in the States, that's a whole different story. In the States, it's the Bullet Club that they wanted to see. It's Bullet Club. I mean, they don't. As much as but, we, but, but, as much but as, it's not, but it's not the current Bullet Club. No, it's I, I, the. I mean, I mean, I think Jay White has the potential if he's not there yet to be one of those guys that people pay to see lose. But I don't see, but I don't see anybody oh, else in Bullet Club right now that no. that is a draw at all for anything. Which, I mean, which, which is why, maybe. which is why I think it's so incredible that they took the titles off of guys that I think would be draws as tag team champions. And put, it back, and put it back and put it back on God. Yeah, I mean, I I think God could be if marketed right. I think the fact that they aren't and have never been marketed right is what hurts them. They've always been kind of the backstep. I mean, they were always the underlings to uh, Gallows and Anderson. Well, the fact that they can't have great matches that don't that don't involve the, the young bucks or evil and Sonata is also you know a, well, a, a they, telling story. To be honest, they can't have great matches with, with evil and Sonata either. Well, the last one they proved that well, they proved that the last three have not been that good. Oh, I, th I thought the one where they where they won the championships was pretty good, but yeah, I mean you're right. Before it was okay, the two but before that were were pretty terrible. They were not pretty terrible. They were horrible. The end. The end of Tag Wars was one of the worst matches I've ever seen. The Young Buck match at Wrestle Kingdom. I, you and I even said it was the worst match on the card. And then they had what a half-ass decent match. In between the two, when they were te teaming with uh, other members of Bullet Club, and then they had an okay match against Evil and Sonata, where Evil and Sonata really took the fight to them and pretty much dominated the majority of that match. Remember, that was the match where um, Tama Tonga, where it showed that he was not really turning over this new leaf? Yeah, that's right. It did. You know, so it was... It was I want to say they've had had good matches, but to be honest, I can't remember the last time God had a great five star classic match that they were in that wasn't helped along by the opponents they were in. And if you can't go out there and have a great match against the Bucks and Evil and Sonata, are you really that good? And with the talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling, if you can't have at least a four star match, what are you doing holding a championship? Exactly. Exactly. As much as I love the um, the new Bullet Club, back to the original basics, and and being the heels that they are, I just can't see them as being that driving force, that force that 
makes everybody stand up and pay attention to them. No. Like, when they beat the Bucks last year after G1, um, what was the event between G1 and... Oh, where'd they win the titles? Uh, Against Fighting Bucks. Spirit Unleashed. That was the last good match the G, uh, G.O.D. had. Right, and that was a, that was a great tag match, but it was but you know it was, that was it a was, great was, tag but, match. But it was the Bucks. And that was the last great match that they put on. Ever since then, it's been clunkers. I mean, the best you could say may have been their last match against Evil and Sonata, but even that was uh, two and a half, three at best. And I, and I think they can have a great match against the Briscoes too. I mean, I I really think the Briscoes can can get the, get those guys, two guys to have a great match. But but I mean, it, it it really does take an outstanding tag team for those two guys to be able to put together a, a great match. And and uh, it just and and so I don't understand why they're always where they where it seems like they're always they've always got the tag titles. You know. I think the problem is. When you look at them, I see a lot of New Age Outlaws with them. I mean, if you remember right, New Age Outlaws, they weren't tag champs because of their talent in the ring. They were tag champs because of their talent on the mic. They were tag champs because of what they did outside the ring. Well, that's and because true, they were part of DX. That's true, but, and, during, but during that time in WWE lore, um, there was... That was not a time where match quality really mattered that much. No, it it didn't. And, and, but and in JPW, match quality matters. You know, it, it so much so more. So much. I mean, it matters a lot. And I think that's why it annoys me so much that people like God are getting the belts the way they are, because they're not a team that's going to go out there and throw up a five star match, where Evil and Sonata could and have, right, and will. But in a way too. Now we're happy that Evil and Sonata are apart because we want them to be apart. We want them to be singles competitors and go go after the big belts. Well, we do, but but if they're not going to have any direction, like what happened most of last year, then I don't want that. Right, that's true. And and, and the and the simple fact of the matter is that their boss, you know, the, the head of their faction. Holds the championship that that really is what one of those two guys is, you know needs to have before the end of the year. Yeah, that's true. One of them has to have it. Yeah. And that one is Sonata. <laughs> you know, I love Sonata. He is by far the most athletic of the two. But seriously, have you seen a better entrance than Evil? And I'm not talking, I mean, you can go Undertaker all you want, but let's take an Undertaker entrance and add Evil's music to it, nothing better. He has by far one of the best entrances in wrestling right now. Um, I have to think, I have to think about that. I mean, yeah, he does have a great entrance. I'm just trying to think, of, I'm just trying to think of, you know, who else I would, if there's anybody else I would put above that. Um, I, I thought about it today, and there's really not anybody that I could. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, right down to the the way the the chords of the music hit you. It's just everything about his entrance, the lights, the um, announcer holding the uh, 
glowing sickle, him carrying the sickle in his getup, and then the fact that he has that uh, little light gun that he does that has the anarchy sign, sign mm-hmm. and then his music with that, uh, just that driving guitar beat. It's just I can't think of another entrance out there right now that hits me the way that one does. And we're just talking about the entrance itself, right? Not necessarily the crowd's reaction to a, to an entrance. No, no. Take away the crowd's reaction, okay. just the entrance. Because I mean, let's face it, Undertaker has had some horrible, horrible crowd reactions. Well, no, I was but asking. I was, no, I was asking because 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 you know when Marty Skrull comes out, that can be like a real um, like a real See, no. uh, blockbuster thing. <laughs> And see, he doesn't do anything special. He just has his music, and then he comes out. And he, well, and he ha- but he also has the, you know, those. He has different outfits at times too. Sometimes, know? but that's not his gimmick. I mean, when you look at Evil, that's his gimmick is to have those over-the-top, flashy outfits. There's times Marty Skrull comes out in just a t-shirt, and his entrance, his music, nothing else changes. He just comes out in a t-shirt. Where evil, he goes to all of that get-up, all of that, you know, promotion and everything. Okay, so you're so you're, you're including consistency in, in this as well, then. Yeah, okay. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the other the other obvious one I think is the demon is the demon entrance by by Bauer. And see, I don't like that one simply because it's once every four months, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he he could. If he did that consistently every night, like Undertaker used to do that every night. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, evil. The, well, well, the other problem with it with the Bauer entrance really is that it's ex- the exact same music as his regular. Yeah, uh, that too. I mean, if there, if there was different music for the two, I think I think you know the Bauer thing would the demon thing would be more special than it really has become. Well, if he was going to do the demon entrance every night and have that music, fine. Undertaker did that same entrance every night. Didn't matter if it was Raw, didn't matter if it was SmackDown, pay-per-view, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He did the same music, the same slow walk, everything. And that's what Evil does, too. And Evil comes out in full get-up. He never comes out in just his singlet. Where, it, as much as I... The pop that Marty Skrull gets... And my love, I mean, you know, I'm probably the biggest Marty Marty Skrull fan on the planet. He does not get that kind of entrance every single time. There's times he comes out with the mask. There's times he comes out with the full getup and the and the interesting umbrella and, and you know all that stuff. But then there's times he comes out in just a t-shirt and shorts, or t-shirt and his his. Uh, gear you know so it where evil every time evil comes out he's in that getup and that was the same with the undertaker too he never came out even in the interview without the getup without the music and everything yeah that's that's a good point um i thought i was something else while you, while you were mentioning that but i can't i can't remember what it was anymore so i, I kind of lost it shocking <laughs> Well, you know, you ramble on and on and on. So. Yeah, it does happen. I, I try not to ramble. Well, you, sometimes, yeah. and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you, you yammer instead. So. Oh, my God. Are we going to talk about New Japan Cup at any time here? <laughs> Wait, what else did we miss from Anniversary Show? Well, there was that Jushin Liger versus Taiji Shimori match. 
uh, which was great. But <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The only three matches that really mattered to me was the uh, Ishimori versus uh, Liger, Osprey versus Jay White, and that uh, junior tag champ match. Yo, you, you didn't like the six-man tag? No. Okay. Because it was more the same. I mean, I yeah, I watched the whole show, but ten-man tags, six-man tags, eight-man tags, I just... Well, you know, the, I, the thing about the six-man tag that, that kind of got me was that they were talking about the super team of Okada, Tanahashi, and Goto. And it's like, it's like yes, Okada and Tanahashi, and then a third guy. Right, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, mean, I mean, I'm a fan of Goto. I like him, and I think you do too. But, I mean, that's the thing is that I like him. He doesn't excite me, and he, you know, and he he's not a superstar. I mean, If it, I'm going to pick a third guy to be a part of the super tag team, mm-hmm. it's going to be Ishii, not Goto. Well, it would, it would probably be Naito, actually. That's the thing. It would probably be Okada, well, Tanahashi, and just, Naito. Because um, you got to think, I'm thinking more chaos eccentric. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah, see, and I was just saying, like, I mean, this is like, you know, Shawn Michael, or like, you know, let's see, this is like The Rock, Steve Austin, and um, Santino Morella. I mean, well, no, that's that's not that's not fair. No, that's not uh, fair. See, see, see. <laughs> I'd say more Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's go the Rock Austin and Shamrock. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tino. Goto. That was that was rude. Wow, that's brutal. Even for your wow. Um, yeah, but okay, you... Rock. Wait, but we got to figure different eras. You gotta you gotta look at it. Okay, so when the Rock was on top. You had Austin and Triple H. Yeah, but Triple H, but Triple H is is, I would say Triple H is still a little bit above Goto, you know. At that time, though, Triple H was way above Goto. That's what I'm saying is you, you can't really put Goto as Triple H. So you'd have to go maybe Austin Rock and Billy Gunn. Now, see, I don't think Mulligan was ever as high as Goto. Hmm. You know, you're right. They wanted him to be, but he was never... Oh, yeah, they tried several times, but yeah. Many, many times. It was painful. So, yeah, it's got to be Austin Rock, Ken Shamrock. Well, now you're you're probably going to think this is blasphemy, but how about, like, Austin Rock and Edge? Actually, I'm going to go with that. To be honest, yeah, at that time when Austin and Rock were on the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and Edge was the on-again, off-again tag team guy with the brood, but he was also an Intercontinental title champion. Yeah, I'll go with that. Austin, Rock, and Edge. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah, so let's go with that. Okay. The, the only thing is that I don't think Goto was ever going to get to the point that Edge actually got to, you know. No, I mean in the long run, but at the time, at the moment, time is what we're looking at. Right, and and you know, and and you know, to be to be fair, I mean, I mean, Goto's not going to. You know, it took Edge a long time to break through too, just like it did Goto. That's the other thing that, that fits with it. You know, is it is it Edge finally had you know got the money in the bank to to break through, uh, even even if they even if you know that was another example of Vince showing his fucking stubbornness and having to switch the title back to Cena when Edge was doing so well with the ratings and everything. But anyway. 
we'll we'll move, we'll move on. So <laughs> I know you really th- you really thought Ishimori versus Liger was great. Um, I, I I love it when you go off on tangents and it's not me. <laughs> yeah, but I cut myself off too. Yeah, no, you should just go. <laughs> go until I cut you off. The problem is that you never would. You just get no, to keep on rambling. I just I just sit there and giggle until you say something stupid and then I jump in. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> what? Well, I just said something stupid. Yeah, I was just waiting for you to jump in. <sighs> you fucking ass. <laughs> I am not in that position. Come on, that was awesome. Okay, it was. I'll give it to you. Um. Anyway, where were we? Have we gotten a New Japan Cup, or are we still on the anniversary show? We're still on the anniversary show. Dude, it's 8 o'clock. I know. Don't you want to talk about Ishimori versus Liger, or White versus Osprey? Kind of. All right, then go. Did we even talk about the tag? <laughs> did we even talk about the tag match? We did. My boys, Yo and Sho, stepping up and taking it to Shingo and Bushi. That was, it was really a great match. It was, it was probably my second favorite tag team match of the year so far. To be honest, it it I still really like the triple threat when they added in uh um God I can't think of Suzuki Goon guys. Really? You like that better than this one? The Wrestle Kingdom match, yeah. Oh, you're out of your mind. No, it was all over this this was a great match. And I love the fact that uh Shingo and Yo just went at each other. There was no junior nothing with those two. They were heavyweights slugging it out. That, to me, was a great part of this match. Yeah. And then the quickness of Yo, or I'm sorry, the quickness of Sho and the quickness of Bushi kind of offset it. It was just a good match. It. This is what I've been telling you for the last year about Yo and Sho that I have been waiting to see. You know, and, and the thing is that even though Show was the one that got that got the victory, man, Yo was really the the you know the guy that that, that MVP of the whole thing. He was, and he and he and he was just amazing, you know. And and and, and you know, I, I watch I watch what he does, and I'm like, you know, I know Show's the flashy one. I know Show's the one that ha- that you know that they're pushing that they're going to eventually push to the top, but, but because Yo, he's but, that, but he's Yo, the but, heavyweight with strength. But Yo is so damn good. Yeah. He's if if I were to pick the two out of the two of them, I would say Yo is going to have the better of the two careers, just because he's going to be the guy that's going to consistently consistently be in the juniors. He's going to be the guy that's going to be the Kodaibushi, the um, Will Osprey, the uh, God, who's the guy that just left? Time Machine guy. Kushida. Yeah, uh, Kushida. He's going to be that kind of guy that's just going to go out and give us all every match. Where I can see Sho definitely stepping up to the heavyweights and being a force up there, but I can't see him having the stellar career that Yo can. You know, honestly, Sho is not that much bigger than Yo. I think Yo can be... No, he's not. I think he's Yo really can, I think Yo will be a heavyweight, too. Um, you think so? I do, and... I mean, maybe not, maybe not as early a show is, but I, I do think that, I do think that these guys, are, I think these two guys are actually going to be. I, I don't know if they're, they're both going to be, you know, pillars of the promotion, but I think I think if if Yo isn't a pillar along with Show, he's gonna be like right, he's gonna be like a level like right underneath that, 
And I think these two are going to going to end up feuding with each other, both as juniors and as heavyweights. Dude, I have tears in my eyes right now. And um, tears, I'm telling you, tears. Because I have been preaching Yo and Show for over a year, and it sounds like you finally bought in. Well, I've seen their promise all along. I just never thought they were the stars that you already thought they were. I Last year at Wrestle Kingdom, when I saw the Bucks pass the torch to them, is when I bought in. And it's just been ever ever since then they've they've been the curtain jerkers they've been the they've been everything they've been asked to be, and they've excelled at it. They just haven't held the titles, but they've excelled in every match. And now to see them move on, I could easily see them before the mid to the end of the year stepping up into the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. and then eventually breaking up. Yeah, see, I don't know that that's going to happen this year because. Because there's just not very many junior teams right now, and I think Shingo is going to step up before the end of the year for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. So, so if he does, then who does that leave? You know, as, the, as tag team challengers for the, for, um, I mean, I mean, really, it's, it's these it's these two teams, and then the Suzuki Suzuki U team that you mentioned that are really the junior tag. And this is another reason why they need to get rid of this tag team, of these championships. Right. Exactly. You know, it needs to be I mean, just one. It just needs to be just one tag division. Well, when you look at all the people that have left so far, I mean, granted, Matt Seidel has a chance to come back. Oh, he does now? Oh, yeah, he's done with Impact. Well, right, but is he going to be able to get a visa? Because, I mean, because I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't think his drug, I don't think his drug charges are still valid. So as long as he's clean, he should be able to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that works, and and I don't know. With I guess what the statute of limitations is on something like that, and and I also don't know the fact that he has a third eye now means that he's drug free. It doesn't, but <laughs> <laughs> I've heard he is. <laughs> Speaking of um, drug free performers, that uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I, 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 I thought Osprey versus um, White was absolutely awesome. I did too. And and uh, Ab- and you know I and and the thing is that um, I was I was thinking about this during the during the matches it was going on. I'm like I'm like you know what? There's no way Osprey is winning this match. No. But but this is the second year in a row that he's going to that he's going to push the IWGP Heavyweight Champion to the limit while holding while holding a lesser championship. And this is just setting it up for next year during this show. He's actually going to win the main event. The thing about Osprey that I loved, and I, I don't know if you caught it, that um, Don Callis said the same thing that I said during the Ring of Honor. Um, uh, what was it, Death Before Dishonor? Yeah. And then also during Wrestle Kingdom that... I didn't see the Osprey that I wanted to see. I saw this completely different Osprey. And Don Callis said the same thing during this match. This match, we got the Osprey that I always wanted to see, plus that heavyweight Osprey that we have now. It was a phenomenal just convergence of the two. 
Yeah, and you're still wrong. <laughs> and so is Don Callis. <laughs> Don Callis agrees with me. He did not say anything about the about the Ring of Honor match that was a, he that was a said four and a half star he, match that you said was terrible. That was awful. And and I and I did not hear Callis say, "Oh, you're right." I mean, oh, Shane was dead wrong on that match, and Jeff was right because this is the first time we've ever seen we've ever seen Osprey integrate his offense to like this. Because he because you know he because first of all because first, first of all because first of all because first of all he didn't say that, and secondly he probably never even saw the Ring of Honor match. He specifically said Shane is wrong. Nobody has ever I specifically heard. said that. Go back and watch it. Nobody has ever specifically said that in, in regards to me. <laughs> Except your mother. Well, you know what? That's not even fair because you know that I can't talk about your mother because, you know, she 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 uh, died from embarrassment of having you. you oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to your mom tomorrow. She sits right next to me. I'm talking to her tomorrow. Well, I'm not talking, wow. to, your, I'm, I'm not talking to your mom tomorrow. You can't. You'd have to dig up six feet. It'd be bones. Oh, it's just not right. Your mom had six feet? Yeah, under the dirt? (laughs) (laughs) It's his fault. Just wowed me. (laughs) I think we might have gone too far. Maybe. I, I I thought this was, but I did really did think this was a great match, and I and I actually loved the finish of it too. You know, I, I loved how White keeps finding ways to win cleanly, um, and and yet make his opponent look super strong. And I love how he can counter anything. Right. Ever since his match against um, Tanahashi, Which that one? first match, the first one um, from last year's when, Crystal Kingdom. Yeah. When, no. 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 Um, from the G1. No, it was after the G1. When he challenged, after he turned on Okada, and Gato and Jado turned. And then he... Oh, so, when, oh, so power struggle. Yeah, when Bullet Club was formed, with him as a leader. <laughs> ever, ever, since, ever since the first, third match that they had against each other. Yep. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Anyway, ever <laughs> since that match, he has found a way to turn every finisher into a switchblade. And it, it's amazing. It's amazing how he does it. And he did it again in this one. He he turned the... Um, I keep wanting to say graduation, but that's not right. The Oscutter? No. Was it the Oscutter? It was the Oscutter. Okay, yeah, he, he turned he, that into... He almost turned Stormbreaker into it. Right. That's what I was thinking of because yeah. I saw that right before, and then it was the went to the Oz cutter, and he turned that into Switchblade, which is amazing that he was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's like he's like uh, yeah. I, I mentioned Edge not too long ago, but he's he's like Edge to me, where he's just a, such a great counter wrestler. You know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my favorite Undertaker match ever is his. Well, besides the Shawn Michaels one, but I mean, um, my, my favorite, my favorite uh, Undertaker match that I wasn't present f- in attendance for was actually the year before the, the Shawn Michaels one against Edge, uh, and that's basically because Edge just countered every single thing the Undertaker was was trying to do, and 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 he and he, you really felt like Edge might break the streak that year. 
And Edge probably should have. Well, I think CM Punk should have, but... You know. Well, I can't say that, because I guess we wouldn't have gotten the streak versus the career, which was amazing. We wouldn't have gotten back-to-back Shawn Michaels. We would not... Yeah, maybe CM Punk the year before Brock did it. Right. Yeah, I could have seen that. That would have been a good time to do it. But then again, too, CM Punk was on his way out the door at the time, so I get why they didn't. He wasn't at the time, though. He, he didn't. He didn't. Leave, he left partly because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, everybody, if you haven't seen it, go back. Go back and watch Jay White versus Will Ospreay. It's it's an excellent it's, special challenge match. It's an amazing match. Yes. Amazing, and that's the second year in a row that Osprey has put on that kind of match against the heavyweight champ. Well, right, he did it twice last year and once this year. Yeah, Cause he did, exactly. Because he did it once against Okada and once against Lethal last year. He just agreed with me, so bam. Lethal does not count. He was he was world champion. Are we going to go on to this? I mean, we've only got like... <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to run down these winners or do I have to? Why would... Why, oh, you want to run, run down the winners? I, would, I didn't know we were going to do that. We can round down the winners and talk about the matches that stuck out. Which, on, on what, the, the New Japan Cup? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about the show we were just... I thought you were talking about the show we were just... No, we just talked about Osprey and uh, Jay White. Is there anything I know, more to the, talk but about? Then you want, but then you asked me we want to run, run down the winners. Oh, my God. Speak English, dumbass. All right, All right. I will. <laughs> Going forward, I will speak English. All right, so New Japan Cup Night 1. Uh, in matches that I did not watch, we have a uh, six-man tag between... There Rocky, were two Rocky, great matches. In, oh, matches you didn't watch. Okay, six-man tag. Go ahead. Rocky Romero, Mikey Nichols, and Will Ospreay def- uh, lose to Taiji Shimoru, Hikuleo, and Bad Luck Fale when Rocky okay. Romero uh, loses to the Bloody Cross. One thing I will say about that match, Don Callis... Got on the Rocky Romero hype train. Wow. He pumped the Rocky Romero merch site and said that, uh, you know, Rocky would want us to do this. And he pumped RockyRomeroMerch.com. And then Kevin, Kevin Kelly got out and did the Rocky Romero, whatever the, whatever the other site is, dot .com. Um, are you sure that was in this match? Because I remember he did that in the, in the Junior Heavyweight title match we just got done talking about. No, he did in this match, too. Why did you even watch this match? I I was bored. I had time. I don't know. Don't ask me serious questions. All right, so in match number two, Toriyano, Tohanare, and Satoshi Kojima lost to Davey Boyd Jr., Lance Archer, and Minoru Suzuki by a bulldog bomb, whatever that is. Does that surprise you? I, I don't know what a bulldog bomb is, so I guess I can't be surprised by it. All right. Uh, Bushi and Evil defeated Takamichi Noku and Zack Sabre Jr. when Bushi hit Taka with an MX. Uh, Sho Goto, uh, Goto and Ibushi. That's a weird team. Um, right. Beach to beat Shingo, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. I mean, why the hell would Yo not be in that match? 
there was this whole thing going uh, on in this whole, and it's probably going to continue, of all of the other factions that are not LIJ or Bullet Club conforming against Bullet Club. Conforming against them? Well, combining, coming together. I, I just Let's stop with the together. words that don't make right sense to me. Now. <laughs> They're going to do things <laughs> that unite each other against the bad people. Like sex? Bad people, not sex. Well, you said unite each other, though. Against bad people. Okay. So you're. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. So. Shingo, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito are bad people? I guess, because they're L.I.J. All right. They're not the good people. It's L.I.J., one other enormous faction of everybody, and then Bullet Club. There's only three factions in NJPW now. Didn't you know that? Uh, Sure. All right, so then we have Tenzan... Makabe, Okada, and Tanahashi getting the victory over Taguchi, Cabana, Elgin, and Shota Umino when Okada beats Umino with with uh, the Rainmaker. And by this point, I was done with 10-man tag, so I didn't watch it. Uh, that's also an 8-man tag, but that's close enough. Regardless. <laughs> done uh, with them. Yoshihashi made... Met in, a, in, the free, in the first match of the first round... Yoshihashi made Manamu Nakanishi submit to the Butterfly Lock in 12 minutes. Okay. We have Honma loses to Tai Chi mm-hmm. with a crucifix tomb. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. And then, uh, now, in a match that I texted you was great, uh, Juice Robinson loses to Chase Owens in a big major upset. When Owens hits him with the package pile driver in the middle of the ring. Which, I may have made a mistake in this match. Because I watched the um, final mm-hmm. of the night with Ishii and um, Nagata. Mm-hmm. So I felt too much during this match like they were doing a lot of the same stuff. Okay. I mean, do you get that or no? No, I, I actually don't because I because I really thought that uh, I really thought that they were different matches. Like the you know the the Robinson Owens match basically Chase like dominated most of the match. And Chase Robin, did. And, Ro- and Robinson just kept kept trying to come back and trying to come back, and then finally Owens just puts him away with the, with the pile driver. Um, and and wasn't it was it in this yeah it was in this one where didn't Owens like throw Robinson like head first into the um, barricade? Yeah. Yeah, I mean just awesome. The uh, yeah um, Russian leg sweep into the barricade. Right. Yeah, just awesome stuff. Which was amazing. I mean they had their differences, but I just felt like they were both. It's you don't really want to see two slow plotting matches back to back. And when I watched, the order I watched them may have been wrong because I watched the main event first and then went back to this one. And it was, to me, it was like, okay, here's another slow, plotting, hard-hitting match. But the second one was done better. 
But doesn't it matter the reason why they're slow? No. It, it should, because because the reason why the I mean, first one is slow is because because the heel is dominating the match, and the reason why, this, why the second one is slow is because there's two, two guys going out there trying to outslug each other, like we saw with Shibata and Ishii, you know, before. Which I mean, is I mean, still I mean, one I mean, of I mean, our... I mean, it's a lesser version of it, but I mean, it's basically the same idea where these two tough guys are trying just to... Just go out and beat the to... hell out of each other? Exactly. And do so and make me hurt and want to go to the hospital because I hurt because they hurt each other? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, to me, to me, I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of see what you what you're saying, but at the same time, I I don't agree. I mean, the only the only thing I was thinking, like when I was watching Nagata versus Ishii, is like, what? It's like I'm like, God, I wonder, I don't even know which one of these matches is better. I, I mean, I'm, oh, it sucks because I'm agreeing with you, and I hate agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I get what you're saying. And I, I, I do see that how the Nagata, um, oh, was it Nagata? Yeah, Nagata Ishii match yeah. was totally different than the uh, Juice Chase match. I, I see how they were completely different, and I agree with you. And I, I think they were both phenomenal matches for what they were. I just wish, in my own mind, I had seen the Chase. Robinson match first. You should have. Yeah, I should have, but by the time I watched them, they were broken up, and I I saw the one that was the main event first, and blah, fucking blah, blah. Oh, really? Because they weren't, they weren't broken up when I watched them. Oh, they were on IG. Okay, fine. Um, I watched them last night. They were broken did, up did, last I, night. Why did I just hear a lighter when you've got vape stuff? Why are you just, what are you doing having a real cigarette? Shop. I'm telling no one's Su- talking I'm, to you. I'm telling Susan. She heard me. She yelled at me already. All right. Good. All right. Fine. What? Who has the lighter? What are you talking about? I heard the lighter. Shut up. Anyway, all, night all, two. All of our listeners have ears. That's why they're listening. Night two. <laughs> all right. So Chase Owens and Taiji Shimori beat Honma and Yoshihashi with Owens hitting another package pile driver. Uh, then we have <coughs> Toro Yano beating Davy Boy Smith Jr. in a, in a six-man tag with his, with his partners are Ishii and Kojima, and Davy has Suzuki and Taichi. I'm assuming that he hits the, uh, this is F- FPNU, but I'm not sure what that actually means. I'm assuming he hits the low blow. Um. This is all he can do. Yeah. So we have... That and a roll-up. Shingo and Evil beat Taka and ZSJ with a pumping bomber. Which is great foreshadowing, by the way. Yeah. Um, that match, that, to be honest, I watched that match too. That was that was well done. The way that they um, sold the ending to set up the individual match between Evil and ZSJ was really well done. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Actually, that, that, that might be like the one undercard match I, would, I wouldn't mind going back and watching. Um, it was It really was. Then we have Juice, Goto, and Ibushi taking on Bushi, Sonata, and Naito when, and Juice beats Bushi with the Pulp Friction. 
hey, what a shock. The the one junior in the in the match loses. Right. Um, let's see. Come on, Arrow. Come on. There we go. Arrow. Do it, Arrow. Come on, Arrow. Do it. <laughs> uh, then we have another eight-man tag. Oh, Arrow did. Yay! We have Nagata, Tenzan, Makabe, and Tanahashi beating Nakanishi, Taguchi, Colt Cabana, and Shota Umino when Makabe hits the King Kong knee drop on Manamu Nakanishi. And why is Colt Cabana even there? Look, he did great announcing in the first night. Mm-hmm. Why was Colt Cabana in this tournament? Because he's Colt Cabana. I don't care. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I think it's weird, too. I, he put on a good match. I'm not going to lie. He did put on a good match in his single match. But Cole Cabana is better as an announcer right now. And he's really starting to grow on me on Ring of Honor and in New Japan. The the times he's, he's announced in New Japan, he's gotten much, much better and grown on me. But he should not be in the ring Wait, Plain and simple. I didn't see Cole Cabana's match. Was that was that from today? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. It was the first round match. Yeah, but that would have that would have been today was the last day of the first round. I haven't had a chance to watch today's stuff yet. So. You haven't seen today yet? No. Oh, sorry. How was I gonna? How would I have watched today's? I was working all day. I don't know. You have time. You have lunch. And I don't get to listen to, to listen to wrestling like you do all day long. You had a lunch break. I was having lunch, I had lunch, lunch, I was having lunch with my wife, my friend. Just because uh, you and Susan don't like each other at work. Oh, that's right. She never mind. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I was going to say. I was going to say you don't like you don't like each other. You don't like each other anywhere. But you know, I, I, I refrained. So. Yeah, right, um, fine. All right. So and now back to the first round matches. Uh, Toa Hanare loses to Lance Archer with a blackout. Yep. Um. Arrow did something crazy this time, so let's go back up. Mikey Nichols defeated Hikuleo with um, the, with the Mikey bomb, which is a Blue Thunder bomb. Did you watch this and, match? Yeah, I Hik- I did. Hikuleo is so much better now than he was a year ago. But the problem that I saw with this, mm-hmm. and it's not because of this match. This match was really good. And you're right, Hikuleo is a lot better than he was. Yeah. But I saw a preview coming up where Mikey joins Bullet Club. That's weird. Right? Considering his chaos right now. So I'm kind of interested to see how that happens. But at the same time, this match itself was almost kind of foretelling of that. Well, Nichols is taking on... Uh, Okada in the second round, so that, may, that actually mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. All right, and then and then we have Osprey taking on Bad Luck Fale, and and he pins him with a really sloppy Hurt Karana pin, which was awful, completely awful. And and Fale's shoulders weren't even down for a one count, much less a three count. Um. And then we have Okada versus Elgin in a in a really good match where Okada of course. Excuse me. Of course, beats Elgin with the Rainmaker. Um, anything to say about any of those? Th- anything to say about that match at all, Jeff? Not really. I mean, it was what we thought it was going to be. 
Mm-hmm. I'm still not sold on Elgin and MJPW, so it it was a no-brainer that Okada was going to win. Well, and well, now, it, that, now, now that now that Elgin's legal troubles are behind him, it'll be interesting to see if if he gets back to being pushed in NJPW or not. Yeah, but the reason why he started to get deep pushed in the first place was, was because of his backstage attitude. Legal troubles or not, has that changed? That's true, because he because he was doing like a lot of uh, nasty stuff with the guys, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like all the yeah, that's a good point. But they brought him back for the tournament, so you know who knows. Maybe, I and maybe they're you know they're they've got some unique talent at the top, but they just lost five of their top stars. Mm-hmm. I can see them giving a second chance to uh, to Elgin at this point because of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I don't know why you, why you don't push somebody else, why you don't start pushing other people higher, and I, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. I think because because there's something I want to talk there's somebody I want to talk about it on the show that, probably in greater length than I than I was expecting to coming in. Um, and uh, yeah, because it's eight thirty already. No, no, I'm saying that there's that there's oh. you know coming into coming into the shows yesterday. I would not have thought I would I would want to talk about this guy the way that I'm going to. So. All right. Um, Fair enough. Anyway, match number one of night three was Yoda Suji and Satoshi Kojima losing to Taka and Suzuki when Taka beats Suji with a face lock. Um, then we have another eight-man tag, for those of you who love eight-man tags. Um, <laughs> Manaba Nakanishi, Yuji Nagata, Juice Robinson, and Yoshihashi uh, beat Bullet Club with a Pulp Friction when... Juice hits Hikuleya with uh, with that move. And let's see. Match three, we have Ren Narita, Tomohoki Honma, and Hiroki Goto losing to Shingo, Bushi, and Sonata when Narita falls to the Pumping Bomber. That's a hard thing to say, Pumping Bomber. Anyway. Um, a Bulldog Bomb by Davey Boy Smith Jr., Gets him and his partners Taichi and Lance Archer a victory over Toroyano, Will Ospreay, and Tomohiro Ishii. And then another six-man tag is Toa Hanare, Togi Makabe, and Kazushiko Okada losing to the team of Michael Elgin, Colt Cabana, and Mikey Nichols when Hanare falls to the Mikey Bomb. What a fucking name for a move, dude. Seriously. Um, the Kiddo Clutch, Taguchi beats Tenzon with, and now we come to probably the surprise of the tournament so far, which was Hiroshi Tanahashi beating Shota Umino in a match that um, was a lot more competitive than I would have thought coming in, and Umino showed me so much in this match. I mean, yeah, Shota... um, He's been doing great, and he's been rising up, but now I think he's to the point where there's no reason to send this guy on ex- on excursion. Um, he just needs to, he just needs to after this tour, go away for just a little bit, come back with a gimmick, and he he should be right in the mi- in the middle of the mid card as far as I'm concerned already. He is so. I do agree with that. He, he is so good. I mean, I mean, this guy is my Japanese ha- Hangman Page at this point. 
Are you going to say that was an upset over Owens and Robinson? Um, I am because I I actually expected Chase Owens to win that match. I mean, we we've seen how the way they've been that that Owens has been has been rising up in Bullet Club. He's you know he's been touted as the kind of the glue guy of last year. Um, he, he kind of he kind of earned you know a rise a little bit at least at least winning a first round match and, and I think that Robinson needed some guys to start beating him to set up opponents for the future. Whereas whereas Shota I thought um, yeah he was the only new line only young line to be entered into um, the New Japan Cup so we, so we knew you know something strong was coming for him anyway but I just think that he showed so much promise in this match. Even more than he has been in the future, and he, and he gets to work against a guy like Tanahashi. Um, of course, that's going to help, but I just think he showed so much charisma, so much athleticism, so much power that I'm I'm really in the corner of Shota Amino right now. Words would be good, Jeff. <laughs> Was that the guy that won against ZSJ? No, the guy the guy that lost to Tanahashi. What are you talking about? No, I'm. It's like I want to say January fifth, or maybe the new beginning tour. That he beat he ZSJ. A, no, he didn't beat ZSJ, but he went against ZSJ and put up a good showing. Maybe I, I don't. I don't remember seeing that match. I'm gonna have to go back and look. Probably is though. Makes sense because. If they're pushing him into the G1, mm-hmm. there was one guy who was a young lion who went toe-to-toe with ZSJ and actually put on a good match, and I've got to go back and look and find out, uh, find out who that was. Okay. Did you, did you not, were you not as impressed with him as I was here? I was really impressed with him. Okay. I thought he put on a great match. It, the ending was no doubt to me. But at the same time, I thought Shota put on a better-than-expected match for a young lion. Cool. And a guy that I really want to see in the future. Let's see. So, so I'm just looking here to see. Yeah, it looks like it looks like ZSJ did face Shota back in February. What are you doing over there? You're like being super silent right now. Oh. I had to eat cheese balls. Wait. Who haven't we talked about yet? Oh, you didn't get into night, night four yet. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, no. So, um, okay. did you, was there anything else you wanted to cover from night uh, three? Not really. Bushi Naito was a phenomenal match, but I don't know that I like that direction. I mean, I see where they're going with Ibushi, and I said it before, but I, I'm not a fan. The match itself was good. Other than that, I really don't have much to say about it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good match on also. Um and uh I was a little bit disappointed in Ebor versus ZSJ to be honest. 
I was really disappointed in that. And that might have been the match I was looking the most forward to. Yeah, me too. And, and they, cause they had such a great match at uh, one of the New Beginning shows, but I thought this one was, uh, I, yeah, like I said, a bit of a, bit of a disappointment. I mean, night four, I've got the results here, so I know what happened. I don't know if you're going to watch them yet or not. Yeah, I'll probably watch it, tom- I was planning okay. it tomorrow night. All right, I'll leave that alone then. I- I'm disappointed in a few things. Let's just say that much. Do we want to do any? Do we want to talk about this com- this week's coming anniversary show at all? <sighs> or, do, or do we just want to? Or do we just want to review it cold on cold next week? I kind of want to review it cold because I don't have much to say going into it. I'm still having a hard time getting into the people that are the big dogs here, other than. Taven versus uh, Lethal. There's not much on here I care about. Well, I th- I think that uh, I really want to see Shane versus uh, Jeff Cobb too. I do and I don't mainly because I don't know that Shane has gotten built up to that level yet. I mean, well, I'm I'm done with this Kelly Klein Iwatani thing. Mm-hmm. I, I the that was a huge misstep. Kenny King versus Skrull to me means nothing. Bandito versus Roosh. I I can go back to CMLL and watch like 15 of those matches. Outside of Lethal versus Taven, I'm not overly excited about this. Yeah, and, and actually, I don't think ROH is either because they misspelled Marty Skrull's name on their website. It says, yeah, it says, it says Marty Skrull versus Kenny King. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's not there's not much to get excited about, which makes me sad. Well, I think it's going to be a great wrestling card, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot com- coming in that it has a lot of heat to it, other than Lethal versus Taven. Um, right, exactly. And, and, and of course, the Briscoes versus Villain Enterprises. You know, but, well, and Iwatani versus Klein. But even the Briscoes versus uh, Villain Enterprises has been more about the Briscoes versus G.O.D. as G1. And actually, there's a couple matches that they don't actually have on the match lineup that have been announced, too. So, Silas Young's taking on Jonathan Gresham. And then also, Marcelia and Orion of the Kingdom are going to take on uh, Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams. That's going to be a good match, but like we said, there's nothing behind it. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's just uh, it's just stuff. I mean, I, I, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good show, but I mean, it's it's not like a lot of it's not like a lot of heat coming into it other than the main event. It really is Which, showing how much the elite is being missed. Because when you consider how much of the heat on this card would have been due to them. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. I guess edit where you got to edit. Do what you got to do. All right, so we're, so we're gonna, all right, so we're gonna preview that, and then we talked about something else for next week. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about the War Games match from uh, yeah the ex- from MLW. It, it was like two thousand two or three. Okay, well I don't care when it's, it's from. Extreme Horsemen versus whoever MLW had. All right, we'll take a look at that, and uh, so next week we got the Ring of Honor seventeenth anniversary show. We've got Major League Wrestling's first ever War Games, and uh, that's all we've got for this week. We'll try to do better next time, and stay tuned to all the other 
LOP Radio Shows. And um, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff is going to say... Goodbye. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.